This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Are you ready to take your business to the next level? Every day there are countless books and articles that are published offering the key on how to make your business a success. It's easy to feel overwhelmed trying to keep up and run your business. That's why Deb Creer created the Business Power Hour. Keep up on the latest trends, best practices, and techniques for how to make your business a success. Let the Business Power Hour do the heavy work for you. Good morning, good morning. I am Deb Creer, and I am passionate about giving professionals the tools that they need to make themselves and their businesses as successful as possible. And today we're going to be talking about a very unique subject. I don't think I've ever had anyone on who's talked about this subject. And this is program 749, so I've been doing this a while. Um, And so please join me in welcoming Jessen Bradshaw to our program today. Welcome, Jessen. How are you doing today? I'm awesome. Thanks for having me, Deb. Looking forward to uh, an awesome conversation and getting to share a little bit of information with uh, all your listeners and viewers around the world. Great, great. Well, let me tell people about you and then we will jump into this. So Jessen Bradshaw is the CEO of Energy Ogre, an electricity management company that uses proprietary systems to ensure its customers are always getting the best prices on their energy and electricity. Energy Ogre has helped over 100,000 Texans save up to 40% on their electricity bills and over 150 million since its funding. So again, Justin, welcome. How are you doing today? It's uh, it's another day in paradise here in Houston. So actually, it's nice that we're uh, above forty degrees. Uh, we've been we've been cold for Houston. So I grew up in El Paso and Calgary, so it's not terrible. But you get right. so used to <laughs> you get used to it being warm. You just you uh, you lose your ability to deal with some of the cold weather. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's kind of like that here in Atlanta. You know, when when I have to find a heavy coat to put on, I'm like. I have a coat. There's a coat, um, you know, and, and, but it, it definitely makes things challenging. Well, you know, I always like to start the program by asking my guests how they got to where they are today. And I tell you what, yours is, is obviously going to be a unique story because not too many people start companies like yours. So tell us a little bit more about that. So, you know, it's interesting. Um, you know, I, I think the easiest way to start out by telling this story is, um, it's that whole adage of you're better to be lucky than good. Okay. Um, so I happened to fall into um, 
this industry, right, as it was beginning to functionally uh, deregulate at the okay. federal level. Mm-hmm. So like we saw in the U.S. over the years, we had uh, the airlines deregulated. Mm-hmm. And then we had the telecommunication infrastructure deregulating. Mm-hmm. And we had the same thing happen in the electricity space. Mm-hmm. Natural gas had preceded it, but mm-hmm. uh, electricity started to change in the mid-90s with some federal rulemaking. And so I was a, you know, a dumb recent college graduate that uh, was trying to figure out what I wanted to do with myself. I thought I wanted to be a physician, and um, I ended up taking a job with this small company mm-hmm. that was starting up in this space. And I thought, well, I need to... F- get a real job and mm-hmm. make some money um, and figure out what I want to do with the rest of my life. So happenstance uh, being fortunate for me, uh, I ended up working for this company that was primarily focused on natural gas uh, trading and uh, scheduling and the logistics around that. And they said, hey, we're starting this electricity related subsidiary because of some of the changes that are happening. Um, we think you might be a good fit. Why don't you go figure that? Why don't you go uh, work on, on that side of the shop? Mm-hmm. So super fortunate. I think I was employee number nine in that wow. whole strategy. Mm-hmm. And we were one of the first ones in this space. So mm-hmm. it was um, definitely right time at the right place and uh, life-changing in, in so many different ways for me. But that that's kind of where I started. And mm-hmm. because it hadn't really existed before, things were getting figured out from scratch. And so so the, the other really kind of interesting part of this is that uh, you know early on when you're developing these businesses or the industry is starting to try to mature, everyone kind of does a little bit of everything. So you mm-hmm. get a lot of exposure to a lot of different parts of, of those businesses. So right. I was really fortunate, you know, I had never traded as a commodity trader before mm-hmm. and, and I had a chance to to learn how to do that. And so I actually ran part of our trading operations mm-hmm. uh, on a regional basis. And it was, we were one of the, you know, probably largest five commodities traders in that space at the time. And as years went on, uh, we actually started to acquire some independent power producing companies. So we, we started to buy power generation mm-hmm. facilities and put them in our portfolio, as well as the expertise to build new ones and ah. to develop them. Mm-hmm. And so I was able to translate some of my commercial skill set into how do we how do we administer the power generation mm-hmm. side and and uh, so it's interesting we built new stuff uh, new <coughs> clean natural gas fired combined cycle and peaking capacity and we also inherited a lot of older coal fired capacity and all these different technologies have their strengths and weaknesses associated with them so I was really fortunate that I had a chance to you know. Uh, get into the plant side and understand how that all works from a plant operations mm-hmm. perspective, as well as all the fuel logistics and everything else. So is it really very fortunate to be, um, you know, with an organization that uh, if you're um, young and you weren't getting paid as much as the other folks, they were happy to throw more responsibility at you if you're too mm-hmm. stupid to, <laughs> to you take more You just kept saying, bring it on, bring it we'll on. We'll take mm-hmm. it. Yeah. So um, you don't know any better uh, when you're starting. So, Really, very fortunate to be uh, to be, you know, given the opportunity to to get exposure and to have you know some 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 really good people to to I wouldn't say I had good mentors. I mean, I had a couple of folks, 
but it's really a lot of good examples of exactly how you want to do things and, and equally as important, uh, good examples of how you absolutely don't want to do mm-hmm. things. So, mm-hmm. so that, that's kind of what, uh, that's sort of where I started my, mm-hmm. uh, my path into the, the electricity space. Mm-hmm. And, um, it's, it's been interesting, an interesting ride for sure. I bet. Well, let's do a little basic question. What does deregulated mean? Well, so there's a couple of different meanings of that. So uh, w- I think there's a, an important distinction to be made between kind of wholesale deregulation and then retail deregulation. Okay. These tend to be kind of two different things. And mm-hmm. so what happened in the mid mid 90s is we were deregulating basically at the wholesale level. Mm-hmm. And so what that meant was, you know, in the past, it was very difficult for let's say you wanted to build a new power plant um, in an area because there was a good economic opportunity to Mm -hmm. do so in certain parts of the United States. In a lot of parts of the country, you had to get a certificate of convenience and public necessity in order to build that power plant. In addition to the other permits, Mm -hmm. the air permits and some of those other types of things. Um, Also, if you were to build that plant, um, that would be heavily regulated in terms of what what you could actually charge for your output. And so it it really was constraining in terms of what the economic opportunity was for someone to come in and solve a problem, Mm -hmm. solve a a capacity constraint Mm -hmm. problem in a particular area. It's because prior to that, you know, a lot of the investor owned utilities or the vertically integrated utilities, they were, they were very much in control of their service territories and anything that happened within them, they wanted to control it from a beginning to end perspective. But what happened in the 90s was the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission, FERC, mm-hmm. they they put out some new rulemaking, um, and it was around open access to the transmission system, to the transmission ah, infrastructure. Okay. And so at the same time, they also allowed independent power producers to have what they call market-based rate authority. Mm. So it was no longer a cost-plus type structure. Is okay. They gave them the ability to price on a market basis, their output of their electricity. So now we had the ability for people to come in and build. Mm -hmm. Um, They also couldn't get stuck, you know, like back in the old days when you were like in a railroad town, Mm -hmm. the railroad controlled, you know, company company store and everything else. So it's kind of like that was that way with the vertically integrated utilities. If I put a power plant inside their service territory and I wanted to sell it to a neighboring utility, they could tell me, no, you can't use my wires. Mm. But with open access transmission, they had to offer those freely out mm-hmm. there that on a competitive, on a mm-hmm. non-discriminatory basis to anybody that was willing to pay their tariff price. Mm-hmm. And so it just opened up the, it was, if you think about it is, you know, we had ice, you know, we had this big, uh, you know, ice block in most of the parts of the country. And mm-hmm. so we started to allow this to thaw out. Mm. The, the, the real key there is that, when you start to liberalize mm-hmm. um, some of that, you bring in a lot of outside investment. You bring in outside capital, right? And you bring in innovation. And so the mm-hmm. first thing that happens is that folks, you know, uh, being economizing with their behavior, mm-hmm. they look for what is the biggest margin opportunity that, and the big margin opportunity tends to follow the place where there's been an, a chronic underinvestment of capital, mm-hmm. or there's a, mm-hmm. an economic problem, or or some type of a physical constraint. And so that's exactly what we saw. We had folks that came in to build power generation in places where 
Uh, there had been a, a, a significant lack of investment over over the years. You know, maybe the incumbent utility was not unwilling or unable to make that investment. Mm-hmm. And so it was uh, it was a great thing in terms of spurring innovation. And to be honest with you, since the mid '90s, sometimes I don't like to think about it being almost 30 years ago. But if you look at the last 25 years mm-hmm. in the power generation infrastructure in the United States, uh, especially in the Southern tier and, you know, California, but if you look at, at the power generation infrastructure, it just is a massive sea change in the types of generation that we have, uh, the technologies that are used to generate electricity. Uh, you know, in 25 years, we accomplished quite a bit there. Um, and, you know, there was a whole history of, of, of delivering electricity for you know, 100 years before w- without this same kind of massive technological change. Although you know, we did bring nuclear facilities and some of those things uh, beginning in the 50s and 60s. But outside of that, it was a massive, massive change that occurred. Um, and it, the, the important thing is that it wasn't all built on the backs of the ratepayers. You have oh, private capital mm-hmm. that came in mm-hmm. to do some of these things. Right. So change, change the structure a little bit. Mm-hmm. So that's. That's what was happening in the background at the kind of the the aggregate wholesale level. And obviously, there's definitely some regional differences in terms of maybe what we see in the Western United States uh, from Texas. And then in the Eastern United States, there's separate uh, interconnections or separate transmission systems. Mm -hmm. So we definitely had some regionalization as these things played out. Mm -hmm. Um, But you really can't have a robust uh, retail competitive market mm-hmm. if you don't have a robust wholesale competitive right. market. And so you have to start with the wholesale side and then it, it provides the opportunity, but not the obligation mm-hmm. to take that into the, the retail level. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, in the retail, it still isn't super expansive across the U.S. There are a number of states that have opened up um, the electricity to retail competition mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's a little bit of a spectrum. It's a sliding scale where it might be competition in name, mm-hmm. but in practice, it's really not. Right. There's uh, one big company that controls all the little guys. Right. Or there's a, you know some regulatory structure. Like we see this a lot in some of the states where um, you, you remember in the and you you deal with this today with uh, you know in the area in around Atlanta is whatever the incumbent utility they usually have a tariff. Right. And so they might say, here's what the number is. Mm-hmm. And we go in every year and we ask for a rate change or we have to justify our rates. Mm-hmm. And maybe there's a little fuel cost adjustment that gets to get put in there, but it's basically formulaic. It's right. not really market-based. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of a formula. Mm-hmm. And the formula might lag by six months or something like that. So it's not really a just-in-time market type of, of, mm-hmm. of effect. Mm-hmm. And some of the markets that have deregulated what happens is, is that the incumbent still can, there's still a tariff structure in place that's really non, it's not market-based at all. Mm-hmm. And then you have the other participants that are looking at the real-time cost of fuel and all those different types of things. So what happens there is that that tariff rate is either going to be massively under market or it's going to be massively <laughs> over market, mm-hmm. right? So, because it's a, it's not really a, it's, it's by definition a non uh, market based. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of this weird kind of competition. But what it basically is, is you either go back to the tariff structure or you go to the competitive market when those, those two things are less expensive. But it ends up being kind of a little bit of a self defeating 
it looks like competition, but it's not really because you know when the utility serves its customers on a tariff below their cost to serve, well, what happens? Well, then they go back and they recover those losses from right. everybody. So yeah. it, somebody has a, to pay it. Mm-hmm. That's right. So it looks like there's you know some opportunity, but at the end of the day, the ratepayers are kind of mm-hmm. it's a, a heads they win, tails you lose type situation. Mm-hmm. So that's not it's not really a, a robust competitive right. environment there. Right. Um, Texas has been the most, you know, much like the Georgia natural gas market, mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. Georgia natural gas market and the Texas uh, retail electricity market are very, very, very similar. Mm-hmm. And so it's been a point where they actually took the vertically integrated utilities here and they blew them up into three pieces. Oh. So there was a generation company. They got split out from mm-hmm. a wires company from the marketing company that owned the customers. Mm-hmm. And so... Every retailer here is responsible for acquiring their customers. They're responsible for generating bills. Mm-hmm. They're responsible for collecting on those bills. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's a pure end-to-end, full, mm-hmm. complete retail competition, mm-hmm. you know, competitive landscape here. Right. Um, and it's not really true. And the same is true in, in the gas markets there in Georgia. But mm-hmm. there's not another power market in the U.S. that kind of looks like mm-hmm. you know what we have here today. Right. And so that's the retail competition mm -hmm. side that's, you know, we may be the furthest example of that here, but there, you know, I think, I think that as time goes on and some of the, uh, the, the, in, in the 2000s and the early 2000s with the California energy crisis, there was um, this idea that was uh, pushed forth um, in addition to Enron, you know, uh, putting grandmas in the dark in California, whatever the narrative at the time was, that that somehow California's situation had to do with them moving towards a competitive electricity market. And the reality is the problem that they had in California, in my opinion, was largely based on the lack of investment that was made in mm-hmm. power generation infrastructure mm-hmm. as well as transmission infrastructure. Mm-hmm. They really did have an energy crisis that had to do with demand increasing and they're right. having a problem with supply. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of woven into something different um, um, to, to give uh, competition a black eye. But um, we see that over and over again. They're very powerful forces that don't, they don't want to keep their advantage. Right. Um, and so we see that time and time again. Right. But I think, I think that as time moves on, um, what will happen is the areas that have competition will outcompete the areas that don't. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, can be, it allows a spurring of innovation um, that you just don't see in some of the other areas. So, right, you know, and, and I'm one of these that thinks that competition is always good. Um, you know, for the especially obviously for the consumer, right. because you know we mentioned you know Georgia electricity is not deregulated. I get one place I can buy oh. our electricity from. Happened to pay that bill earlier today, and you know so they can charge whatever they want to charge now. They can't just all of a sudden triple our bills. I mean, you know, there are you know guidelines that and and regulations that stop that. Yeah, right, right. You know, and and but you know, really, we are limited, um, and and that causes problems when there are problems. Um, you know, if something goes down, there's only one company. I mean, you know, and and but I also find it interesting that in some ways the government likes monopolies. And in other ways, the government says, oh, no, 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 we don't like monopolies, um, you know, and, and so that that's always, a, always a, a fun conversation. But energy is, 
I think it's, you know, something that for, you know, 20, 30 years at least has really been something that that we have have all been thinking about, whether it goes back to, you know, the gasoline wars. Um, I'm old enough. I remember sitting in line at gas stations to get gas and you only could go at certain points in time. You could only get so much gas. I mean, you know, it wasn't that you pulled up with a tanker and got, you know, you know 100 gallons. And, you know, and, and then we've, we've seen so many changes with energy, you know, whether it's coal, water, wind, solar, that's, that's been interesting to watch too, both good and bad. I mean, you know, clearly there's, there's lots of things. I'm from Colorado. I have a lot of family in Kansas. So wind farms, of course, are, are huge. And, you know, and, and then you have environmentalists who say, no, no, they're not good. Um, you know, and, and, you know, it's, it's just kind of one of these things where you have to balance and, and, but it's also a great place to be an entrepreneur right now. So tell us more about that because I think so many people are like me and, you know, we're not in, uh, we're, we're in a regulated area. I've never lived in a market that wasn't. So I had no idea that you can even start doing some of these things. So, you know, as if, if you're an entrepreneur, why is this a great time to be looking at energy? So, you know, the, the earliest adage that I got into and I got into this space, um, you know, energy never, ever goes out of style. Ever. Right. We got to have it. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, in, in some respects, you know, electricity in particular is um, very much the, the entirety of our modern lifestyle is dependent upon reliable uh, supplies of, of electricity on a cost-effective basis. Mm -hmm. Like it'd be very difficult to have high density population centers without electricity. You right. just mm -hmm. got to move water places mm -hmm. and you got to move food places. And it's just not possible. Like you just can't have the kind of urban living without, you know, water and right. power and things of that nature. So by that, by its very definition, you know, it's always good because it's it's a fundamental requirement in terms of, mm -hmm. uh, of what we're looking for. It's a fundamental good and service right. that, that we will consume and mm -hmm. consume on a going forward basis. Two is that, you know, it's not like it's, you know, paper, you might make the same argument as the same thing, but our, our spend on energy, our overall spend as a percentage of our of our budget, whether that's in our vehicles, whether that's in you know, our home electricity or whatever, whatever, it's a, it's a relatively large amount of spend right. of our disposable income. Mm -hmm. And so uh, it, it's a pretty high value, you know, mm -hmm. um, it's, it's a resource rich, uh, you know, from a cost perspective, um, you know, product, you know, healthcare may be something similar to that, right? Mm -hmm. So healthcare is a fundamental type of thing that we right really should have if, mm -hmm. and, and absolutely have to have in certain situations. And, and it's a very large spend uh, when it comes down to it. So mm -hmm. I think those businesses are, are kind of similar. The, the positive news though, you know, in, in electricity has been that, you know, we, we've been at this, at this stage, I sort of laugh with my children. Um, I've got one in college, uh, one that's going to be a senior in high school, another one getting ready to go into high school. And mm -hmm. I was laughing with my daughter she was asking me something the other day and I said, well, you know, when your mom and I started working, there was no World Wide Web. Like it, it was right, there. Right. But, mm -hmm. Al Gore you know, hadn't invented it yet. <laughs> we uh, we were using dial-up service. Like we had email and some of the other stuff. No one mm -hmm. used it. Um, but, you know, that was in 1995. Mm -hmm. And so 
the pace of change in technologies is it's not just continuing the pace of that change is rapidly intensifying right and I, I think we get we get kind of lulled into not seeing it because we adopt stuff like someone was saying, oh, the iPhone's been around for forever. And you're like, well, no, I think that came out like 2009 or something. I know. Like that, really right? hasn't so been forever. Mm-hmm. It really wasn't. And so, you know, we have these things and they're just, they change the way we do things so rapidly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and the same is true in power in the electricity space. So, you know, 15, 20 years ago, you know, wind was kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. But the state of change in terms of wind capacity and how we build wind generation facilities or wind farms or whatever you want to call them, um, the, what the state-of-the-art technology of what we have in wind today versus what it looked like 15 years ago right. is oh, very it's different. Not, mm-hmm. It's not apples and oranges; it's you know apples and potatoes. Mm-hmm. They, they just don't; they're not even the same right. animal. Mm-hmm. And the same is true of the solar facilities that we're dealing with. Um, and, you know, we're dealing with the, the advent of a lot of other things in terms of the overall electrification, mm-hmm. you know, in, in many parts of the United States, we've had, okay, electricity is for lights mm-hmm. and maybe heating is on natural gas or it's on propane or it's mm-hmm. on heating oil or whatever have you. And there's been this slow change over time to try to make electricity displace Uh, some of those other fuels. Mm -hmm. And so we have this increase in electricity demand. Um, We have, and it's very seasonal. Mm -hmm. It's very uh, peaky, so to speak, um, that that introduces new opportunities and new challenges. Mm -hmm. So the thing that's interesting about electricity that's also a neat place for innovation is I think electricity is something that we think we know a lot about because we, we touch it hopefully not too closely, but we we're, we interact <laughs> mm-hmm. with it all mm-hmm. the time. Mm-hmm. So much so that we just don't pay any attention to it. Right. Uh, we flip the, the switch, part. something comes on. We flip this, it goes off. <laughs> right. And so you pay attention to it when it's kind of not there, mm-hmm. but most right. people don't really understand all of the symphony that goes on behind the scenes mm-hmm. to make sure power shows up. Right. The way it does. And mm-hmm. we'd very much, especially in the United States, take very much for granted mm-hmm. Uh, the reliability of our of our power generation infrastructure, but uh, power is this weird thing that, at the grid scale and at the at the macro scale, we really can't store it. Mm-hmm. And so it's that's a very important thing that people I don't think really understand. Yeah, it's not like you real- have gas, you know, you have tanks of oil, but energy is you know yeah you yeah, can't power you can't. doesn't work that way. And so it's it's interesting because. Literally, if you're going into your house and you're changing, you're increasing, you know, it looks at this at every what everybody else is doing. But theoretically, at least if you turn a light switch on some power plant, someplace has to move a little bit to accommodate that right. in order to make sure it all gets delivered mm-hmm. in the same way. So it's this ultimate it's it's a commodity that's delivered at the speed of light. Mm-hmm. So it's produced, delivered and consumed at the exact same time for all intents and purposes. And it's always a balancing act and it's very difficult to do that. So we are introducing these other kinds of technologies in the power generation side. So we're introducing wind power mm-hmm. that is the great news about that is that it's inexpensive. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fuel is free mm-hmm. for all intents and, and purposes. And there's always wind in these places that you're putting them. Yeah, sometimes, but that's the problem is that uh, we have- yeah, things are changing. Mm-hmm. Right. We have a lot of dependency on 
you know, we have power generation infrastructure that's been built to meet instantaneous demand, mm-hmm. right? There's a whole, whole, the entire industry has organized itself around when people are trying to consume more electricity, we need to forecast what that demand is going to be. And we're, we're trying to work to make sure that we have right. the, the resource availability mm-hmm. to make sure we mm-hmm. meet that demand whenever people, mm-hmm. it's like, it's a, it's a bottomless well, right? People mm-hmm. don't pay attention to what, how hard it is to do that sometimes. But as we add more and more of these other kinds of resources into the equation, well, they produce when they want to produce. Mm-hmm. And so all the other plants have to deal with uh, demand volatility, mm-hmm. but now they're also having to deal with supply side volatility mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. And so the bigger and bigger the proportion of our of our you know, generation infrastructure that comes from these intermittent resources, the more stress it puts on the other plants that can move around. Mm-hmm. And so it it, it incents um, people finding innovative solutions to some of these mm-hmm. things. Um, and so that's why it's just continuing to evolve. That's why mm-hmm. it's a fundamental um, requirement. It's a fundamental part of you know modern life. It's a relatively large spend, mm-hmm. and it's in the middle of changing. We're, you know, we're to say nothing of us adding electric vehicles and mm-hmm. all the other things that will come, and what that means for infrastructure and what that means for uh, just the wire side, let alone power generation facilities. And then we have these other emergent renewable mm-hmm. uh, energy technologies. So the ones that folks are terribly familiar with today of. You know, we've had hydro or hydroelectric generation mm-hmm. facilities. Those are going to be very regionalized. You have to have the right kind of infrastructure in place. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure that from an environmental perspective, folks are too excited about damming up rivers anymore. Well, and then, you know, you, you have issues with, you know, when that water level goes down. I mean, you know, right. I'm, I'm like I said, I'm from the West. And, you know, what's happening with Lake Powell is just mm-hmm. incredible. You know, and, and then when you stop and think, hmm. Las Vegas may not have power. <laughs> you know, right. that, that gets to be rather concerning for folks. For sure. And and so, you know, that's why it's a great space. There's tons of room for someone to bring a better mousetrap mm-hmm. into the equation mm-hmm. and to figure something out or to do something better, faster, mm-hmm. cheaper, whatever the case might be, to bring that intellect to bear. Mm-hmm. And when you offer up real solutions, because there's such a large spend, on on energy, um, there's there's usually a pretty decent you know reward associated with being a better product to right. market. Right. You know, and and I think it's exactly what you're saying. People finally, uh, you know, within the last 30, 40 years, really started recognizing we can't rely on just one source. It, it can't be just water. It can't be just solar. You know, it can't be you know because things happen. You know, now granted, the sun's probably gonna you know always keep going, but you know, maybe you go through a you know a weather thing where it's incredibly cloudy for a long time, and that decreases your solar. And so we're we're finally understanding that we have to have these multiple. It's kind of like having multiple revenue streams. Mm-hmm. You know, we tell people it's great to diversify because then if something happens in one or the other everything else kind of shifts and balances. And so the cool thing is that's what drives innovation. Right. And that's exactly what we're seeing. And that's one of the big reasons I like talking to folks like yourself. Mm-hmm. That's a big part of what we're trying to do at Energy Ogre is mm-hmm. there's there's a, a big conversation that's happening, not only at the national level in the United States, but I think it's happening internationally as well. And it, a lot of it centers in and around climate change. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's definitely people on the extremes of both ends. And I don't really, I'm not trying to advance any agenda on any of this stuff, but 
But I think sometimes what happens is that, um, to your point, there's a, a lot of folks really feel like they need to do their part and they are, they personally take an interest in making sure they're part of a solution, not mm-hmm. part of a problem. Mm-hmm. However, I think that there's a lot of bad information that floats around out there. Like it would not be possible today. One of the things that I hear quite frequently uh, is, well, hey, we could go 100% net zero today. Mm-hmm. We could get rid of all, we can power 100% of our requirements with solar and wind. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just lack the will to do so. Right. And technically speaking, I don't believe that's that's true. I mean, mm-hmm. it, you know, I don't see how that could possibly be done. It could be done if we didn't care about reliable electricity supplies. Mm-hmm. Like if right. we only want to Yeah, really because wind have, and solar really do go up and down. Right. And it's not, mm-hmm. uh, we know this. We know that mm-hmm. this is a feature of what happens and mm-hmm. we will get there. I think that that's the direction this will get to anyway, mm-hmm. but we, we still have to have you know, smart people come in and commercially deploy real commercial solutions in energy storage. Right. Now, whether that's batteries, whether that's compressed air energy storage, whether that's big flywheels, whatever the case may be, that's a big part that's missing from the overall equation to be able to make that big transition. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. You know, and and each one of those remedies also has issues. Um, you know, one of the things that I was talking with some of my friends in Colorado about the, the huge fires that they had around Boulder several months ago. And, and they said, you know, they were watching buildings burn because the fire department was focused on this one building. And people were like, why are they focused on that one building? Well, that's where they had a, a, a huge storage facility for the, the electric batteries for cars. Mm-hmm. And those are, you know, if those would have blown, it would have been catastrophic, you know, and, and, you know, it would have, you know, highly toxic. I mean, all sorts of things. And, and we've heard the things, you know, that, hey, you've got these great electric cars, but what do you do with the batteries? You sure. know, and, and all of these, you know, your, your solar panels no longer work while well, you've still got these big, ugly things on your roof, you know? Sure. And, and so, you know, it's, it's kind of one of those where we, we want it. But we also don't want to think about, hey, there might be other issues that we need to deal with. Well, that's the that's the key is I think that, you know, your point is there is no free lunch on some of these things. And so there's definitely an issue with some of the first generation wind facilities of what happens. What do you do with the old turbine blades? Mm -hmm. Because they're not really very easily recyclable. Mm -hmm. And so there's and what happens when those get to the end of their use economic useful life? You've got a big structure in the middle of nowhere that. you know, it's going to be costly to deconstruct this mm-hmm. eyesore type uh, that's sort right. of sitting out and, there. And so, they're like fiberglassy. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, right. what? We yeah, just have did- to be smart about it all, right? And and I think that that's what happens is we tend to overlook some of these things. But if we really allow folks to ponder these problems, mm-hmm. uh, I do think that that we 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 have an amazing ability to bring technological solutions to bear. Right. It's just you can't keep them covered up. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, if there's a better, if there's a better way for someone that's, who's you know watching your podcast or someone to come up with mm-hmm. a better uh, material science based solution on mm-hmm. on the blades themselves, that's let's just say you know compostable or it's right. you know right. uh, mm-hmm. you know it's a carbon fiber based mm-hmm. something that uh, is is cheaper, easy to manufacture, that it has a great performance. These are the types of things that should win. Right. Um, you know, for example. Today, lithium-ion is the is obviously the the trend from from batteries, especially in transportation vehicles. I don't think that's probably the right solution for stationary batteries that are grid scale types of batteries. Right. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but, you know, there's tons of innovation uh-huh. that's yet to come there um, that, that I think someone's going to figure out where you can u- right. use maybe like local metals or local uh-huh. types of things as uh-huh. opposed to, you know, digging up uh, other parts of the world for, you know, precious uh, precious metals that you need right. for those things. So th- there's definitely a consequence to all those things. As long as we allow the, the market to focus on delivering up better solutions on a more cost-effective basis, mm-hmm. we will get where we want to be. Mm-hmm. But protecting certain areas, I think actually makes us work backwards. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And, and you know, whether it's the company protecting things and not wanting to grow or state federal entities things like that yeah you know it's it's just it 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 definitely harms things in the long run well i really uh i love to hear that you have such a large international audience as Mm -hmm. well because you know one of the problems that we have in the u.s i think we have this and maybe this is true in in europe as well but we have a little bit of this arrogance of well we've been doing this for so long Mm -hmm. and you know we have all these research institutions and um, you know, we're going to innovate and we'll have, you know, these technological advancements trickle throughout the world. And in a lot of ways, uh, I kind of expect it to go the other way around. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, like in your case, you talked about, you know, with the, with the incumbent utility, you know, a new, t- a new uh, solution here that's dealing in a space that has an incumbent, not only do you have to get over the regulatory stuff, but you have to, you have to overcome the incumbent. Right. And in other parts of the world where you're talking about electrification, where there is no existing provider, Mm -hmm. if there's a better solution Mm -hmm. than running transmission lines from a centralized power plant, if some type of a distributed type generation Mm -hmm. infrastructure or kind of uh, cellular Mm -hmm. service as opposed to Mm -hmm. kind of a grid scale service, if that makes more sense, Mm -hmm. then I think there are other parts of the world um, that will bypass Mm -hmm. the mistakes of building some of these costly pieces of infrastructure Mm -hmm. Years and years ago, I uh, I w- was working with a company that was based in Indonesia, mm-hmm. and in the island of Java, I had gone out there, and it was amazing. We had folks that that I saw in some of the cities there that were on their phones, just like you would expect to see. Mm-hmm. Like they all look like my teenagers, you mm-hmm. know. Yeah, your your yeah, head's it's... bent and your thumbs hurt because right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, these are you know folks that are you know in very much a developing uh, part of the world and mm-hmm. outstanding people. Love, love being there and, and awesome, awesome place to visit. But I was talking to some of the folks there. I'm like, that's amazing. Like who made that investment? Because, you know, you think about telecommunications and I'm still thinking about it in terms of, you know, uh, you know, what I've been exposed to. Right. Not, mm-hmm. And they said, well, no, we did it way cheaper than you guys. You guys built all this copper infrastructure mm-hmm. and you guys built all this underground mm-hmm. and we just did it with cell towers. So they're able to, mm-hmm. and, you know, their throughput on data is faster because they're not mm-hmm. trying to use an antiquated technology because someone owned it and they still got to pay for it. Mm-hmm. They're able to leapfrog these technologies because they're not dependent upon the decisions that were made before. Right. right? right. And so uh, that's very much how I expect some of these energy innovations to come, mm-hmm. particularly in renewable energy and mm-hmm. some of these renewable technologies in and around storage mm-hmm. where now, you're not trying to overcome or displace some incumbent some places. Right. You're just trying to provide a solution. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm very eager to see uh, how the rest of the world and or the developing world is really able to, um, you know, lead lead on some of these things, which I think is very likely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and, and 
<clears throat> and it is because they don't have that existing infrastructure. Um, you know, I talk with a lot of, of companies and I say, you know, well, why are you doing, you know, this process? Well, that's the way we've always done it. Mm -hmm. You know, that's great. <clears throat> But that might not work now, um, sure. you know, and, and, but we, you know, we, we hate change and, you know, and, and companies especially hate it when they're thinking, but this is the way we've always done it. And this is not only that, this is the way we've always made our money, sure. um, you know, and, and so I think we will see the companies that are, are innovative um, that, you know, and, and it could be, you know, the, the small countries that say, Hey, you know, let's do this. Or the, the, you know, the companies, I mean, that is the nice thing about the, the U.S. is we have such innovation. Um, you know, there are always people trying to figure things out and, and do things, you know, in, in a better, different, faster way. And, you know, I think it's, and I mean, we certainly have seen everything change through, you know, through the course of time. And, and so it's interesting, you know, it will be interesting in, say, 20 years to see, you know, where, where do we get this? Well, no question. I think one of the advantages that we have, you know, in... In certain parts of the United States and Western Europe, and to say the Western world is mm -hmm. in general, is we we do have a have a culture of trying to foster innovation. Mm -hmm. I think we think we I think we think that right whether mm -hmm. that's whether that's as true we as we want try. to think it is. But really, what happens is is that our ability to organize capital mm -hmm. to take advantage of those things is is pretty straightforward. Mm -hmm. So we have we have a history of you know if I were looking for project finance or I were looking for private equity or capital to pursue a specific business strategy, there's a lot of history and there's a, there's a protocol and strategy associated with that. And there's a multitude of potential folks that we could, you know, any one of us could talk to in some of the other parts of the emerging world. I don't think that there's quite some of that. So it'll be interesting to see how kind of, uh, finance changes over time through you know cryptocurrencies or other types of ways to make those things happen where you can bring those kinds of innovations uh, to marry you know smart people with right. good ideas with the mm -hmm. capital that's necessary to make those ideas a reality mm -hmm. right yeah I mean you know when we start talking about things like venture capital crowdfunding I mean all of those things it's 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 just so interesting to watch um you know and and to see how you know yeah you know used to be you had a new idea you went to the bank you got a loan you know and and all of those things and now it's like well, I'm going to do a Facebook post and holy schmoly I got forty thousand dollars sure, <laughs> or, sure. or whatever and um you know and, and venture capital I mean that's just we've you know that is one of the things with people who have this I don't want to say extra money because in some case it is extra, but some people, you know, it's like, okay, I've got a hundred dollars. What can I do with a hundred dollars? And crypto, I think really is going to be one of the, you know, crypto just confuses me. That's, you know, but, um, but it is, it's, it, it, that's an innovation in innovation. I mean, you know, to, sure. to see what's the fact that there. you can fund things um, that don't require a financial intermediary mm -hmm. to make that work just in terms of allowing you know, capital will flow into the best mm -hmm. ideas. Um, you know, obviously there's, mm -hmm. there's risks and other issues associated mm -hmm. with that, but it's a, I think all these things collectively, we talked about the pace of technological mm -hmm. advancement. These things just, it's like we're pouring more gas on the fire, right? Mm -hmm. It's just going right. to make the pace of mm -hmm. that potential mm -hmm. change happen that much mm -hmm. faster, which right. I think for us as a species is probably a good thing because mm -hmm. it allows us to fix some of these issues that we continue to run up against, whether it's how do we feed a global population? How do we make sure that you know we have 
stable, reliable electricity supplies, mm-hmm. and we're being good, good custodians of the environment that we live in. So these things are all, in my opinion, techno, mm-hmm. technological or technical issues that right. I think us continuing to, to foster that mm-hmm. kind of an environment is, is a is a net positive. And so the good news is, if, if you have folks like, uh, you know, your viewership that are entrepreneurial in spirit that have an idea, um, you know, that that's it's such an amazing thing because the, we, we, you know, having the ability to, to bring those ideas and to be rewarded for doing some of those things, we need to foster that and, and continue to maintain that. Right. You know, and, and I think one of the cool things that has happened, and, and I think it, it was sped up because of the pandemic, I think it was already happening, was, you know, the fact that we are now connecting with people around the world all the time. So, you know, I mean, like, I, I don't network in person anymore. Haven't for two sure. years. I network with people from around the world. And so that's where I think we're going to start seeing a lot more of those discussions taking place, you know, because it, it, you know, yes, we're still this great big world, but Ooh, look, you know, click, click. And we're connected with everybody. No question. And I think it, it also, so uh, I think, you know, some of that stuff we might've been out a cart was a little bit before the horse Mm -hmm. just in terms of being able to, you know, plug into mm-hmm. all this information and plug into being able to access folks that right. it kind of outstripped our ability sometimes, I think, to be able to discern. Oh, it's from confusing. <laughs> right. And so I think that's, a, you know, that's evolving uh, by itself as well. So it's a, it's an amazing, again, it's an amazing technology that allows us to spread ideas and information, um, uh, you know, for better, for worse. <laughs> right. Yeah. Because, you know, we spread information. We also spread misinformation, right. um, you know, and, and whether that's, we intend yeah. to or not. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. <clears throat> you know, and, and, and so that's where, you know, we have to do the research. We have to do things and, and, um, you know, and, and, but yeah, it's, it's, it's an exciting time for all this, you know, and, and it doesn't matter what the innovation is. It's just incredible to see how things are, are changing. That's why I think, uh, you know, this particular medium, in the podcasting, mm-hmm. the, one of the consequences associated with sharing information is that it all competes for our attention. Mm-hmm. And so what happens is, is that the information gets you know, truncated into mm-hmm. smaller and smaller components right. that it starts to lose some of the fidelity of what it's not that someone's trying to not be honest. It's right. just in terms of trying to compete for attention, they may not know any better, mm-hmm. but you know, in energy specifically and mm-hmm. power specifically, it's a complicated subject. Mm-hmm. You know, these, uh, these ideas that I run into, you, you'll see folks that like, um, you can't do two hours of research on Google and Twitter and become a subject matter expert. No, right? So no. usually, yeah, usually um, the big problems are a big problem, not mm-hmm. because there's a lack of will to fix them. It's because they're complicated. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> and right. so this format of talking about you know, of having an in-depth long form conversation that really is able to, Hey, let's dig in a little bit more around what are some of these issues mm-hmm. and what, what are the problems with moving to renewables? Like we've been talking today, right. what are the positives associated with that? So very, very important in this day and age. Right. Well, let's talk about specifically energy ogre and sure. how that works. Because, you know, I, I was reading on your website. It sounds very cool. You know, obviously it's in Texas, um, you know, Georgia is not deregulated, so can't do anything like that here. But it's an interesting concept as to how, you know, how that how, you know, you can can do this. So tell us how Energy Ogre works. 
Sure. I'll, I'll run through this and, you know, not for the specifics of it, but maybe somebody else is, you know, watching or listening to, um, to this and uh, can think of an analog to what they're doing. But basically what happened in Texas was we opened January 1st of 2002 and it was a big, huge boon to uh, consumers here. So it coincided with the massive investment in generation infrastructure and uh, has kept a pretty good lid on cost increases for customers here mm-hmm. um, for the over the last 20 years. Mm-hmm. So it's been it's been a huge positive. Mm-hmm. But one of the issues that we saw kind of early on is, um, you know, in the old days, we had one tariff or maybe you had a different plan with the regulated utility to get two types of service. Mm-hmm. Well, now all of a sudden we have, you know, 140 different providers that might have 15 different plans. Right. So you just end up getting to this point where you have an overwhelming number of choices. And whatever the big button in the yellow print is, oh, that looks good. And that's what you go with, right? That's right. And so the, the good news, the bad news is, you know, there was that old uh, ad a long time ago, Burger King, have it your way, right? right. So you can mm-hmm. have a plan that's tailored mm-hmm. if you work. Uh, you work, uh, you know, nights mm-hmm. and, you know, you want to optimize your electricity plan to someone that's, you know, not home at night and is home all day long. Well, there's a plan for that. If you, if you're somebody that has a vacation house and you're never there, then there's a plan that that is optimized for some of those things. But it's just very difficult, I think, for people to look through those, those numbers of options mm-hmm. and to really be able to do the calculations mm-hmm. and the math associated with, um, you know, which is the best fit for them. So right. that and people don't even know paralysis. they exist. I mean, that's the thing. Right. It's, and that's definitely educating folks that there are other options was, it was a big, uh, big issue for us at the beginning of, of this opening. So what we did was, <clears throat> you know, we, we started to look at some of these problems over the years of things that were causing sub optimizations that were really affecting consumers. Mm-hmm. And there are a couple of big ticket items out there that we saw uh, one, <clears throat> nobody had ever fully aligned themselves with the consumer. Mm. So sometimes we had folks that would come in that would say, Hey, uh, uh, you know, I'm a broker mm-hmm. or I'm an interested intermediary in this mm-hmm. process, but I'm going to make a margin depending upon the terms, mm-hmm. but no one had ever stepped in like, Hey, we're hundred percent on your side. Your mm-hmm. interest is first as a, basically as a fiduciary mm-hmm. to say, mm-hmm. how would we look at your situation and manage your house? Like it was our house. So kind of okay. bringing some of mm-hmm. that technical expertise, mm-hmm. putting that in the hands of the you know average consumer that doesn't care to waste their time educating themselves mm-hmm. on all the minutiae. So that was one. Two was um, really the, the move to cloud computing mm-hmm. that we saw emerge um, in post 2010, mm-hmm. you know, for, for lack of a better mm-hmm. time frame really was a pretty big sea change because now what happened is the ability of companies like ours to uh, not have to buy dedicated rack space and dedicated computers and and dedicated processing power. Now I can use processing capacity on, I can variableize my cost structure Mm -hmm. to use that on an as necessary basis. And so uh, what that amounted to is our ability to receive, store, transform, and and use processing power to transform data mm-hmm. was a fraction of the cost of what it would have looked like before, taking right. advantage of these emergent technologies. Mm-hmm. And what we found was the ability to take all these different rate plans, no matter where we found them, 
and basically deconstruct them down and create curves out of them all. Mm-hmm. And once we create a curve out of them all, we can we can analyze them all relative to each other. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter what provider it is or mm-hmm. what name was on it or what bell and whistle was there. Right. But th- what happened is our machine learning and some of the other things that we're able mm-hmm. to do, we're able to allow us to look at all those plans on apples to mm-hmm. apples basis. Mm-hmm. And so what we've done is we've tried to bring uh, in applied technologies. Mm-hmm. So we're always looking for these emergent types of technologies and how do we bring them into a commercial application that's intended to benefit a particular constituent. In our case, it's our, it's the end consumer or our customers. Mm-hmm. And that's really what Energy Yoga has been all about at its core we're a technology business mm-hmm. that's kind of wrapped in this uh, customer service candy coating to make it easy mm-hmm. uh, to simplify this process. Mm-hmm. But it, it happens to be focused on retail electricity today. But mm-hmm. what happens is, is we know that uh, each one of these customers has a unique uh, demand profile. Mm-hmm. So we have a demand curve and we mm-hmm. might have a thousand different supply curves so we can fit the two and the one that mm-hmm. just mathematically is the lowest cost to serve that particular mm-hmm. demand profile. So that's what Energy Ogre has been in a nutshell is to to really unlock uh, the value of the competitive market Mm -hmm. for the average consumer here in Texas Mm -hmm. um, by doing all the hard work Mm -hmm. um, and and trying to to simplify this process Mm -hmm. to the greatest extent possible, utilizing these emerging technologies. Mm -hmm. Right. So, you know, and, and it is a complicated process and my brain kind of shorts out on some of these things. So, you know, say I'm a consumer, I'm, you know, Am I paying you for my electricity? And and so I'm no longer dealing with all of these, you know, other entities. And then you're just kind of shifting where, you know, to, to get the best possible service. Right. So um, we're not the provider. So we'll we'll um, set up service with individual providers on behalf okay. of our customers. Okay. Um, and they might switch, you know, once every six mm-hmm. months or once every 12 right. months. Uh, but we will continue change. to look. Mm-hmm. We'll continue to look if something material happens in the marketplace and there's a better opportunity, then we'll make our customers aware of that and process okay. that. So the goal here is just to do all of the administrative things or as many of the administrative mm-hmm. things as we can mm-hmm. uh, so that the customer doesn't have to worry about it. Um, the, the goal here is to keep people in the, that bottom quartile or the bottom decile of mm-hmm. prices mm-hmm. Uh, so that are constantly in the the most competitive area of the market, no matter what is happening, right? Mm-hmm. We can't influence exactly what the rates are, but mm-hmm. we can make sure that folks are at the bottom end of mm-hmm. whatever the market is. Right. So they're, they, but they're a member of your, uh, of, That's right. of it's a subscription okay. service and okay. they're with us. Um, and we, we look at it, we continuously monitor what's mm-hmm. happening with them, you mm-hmm. know, with their account, with their provider, mm-hmm. Uh, assist them with any issues as we look through the the bill doesn't look right or if there's mm-hmm. some other type of a problem. That's another issue that we see here sometimes is, you know, customer service is a little bit of a lost art firm form. It doesn't and exist, so, especially yeah. if you're if you're a big company. You're like, I don't care. <laughs> right, and so that's a lot of folks might if they have a question about their bill or they have a problem or something like that. Um, you know, a lot of the providers here you might. You might be on hold for an hour or whatever have you. And, and in right. our case, we'll just take care of that. Um, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So we, we folks contact us. They make us that point of contact. We'll, we'll handle what we can handle mm-hmm. um, behind the scenes just to make it as easy of an experience as we mm-hmm. possibly can. Right. So let's go from the, the other side, you know, back to the, the entrepreneur side. You know, if someone's interested in doing something like this, you know, in a nutshell, because we've only got about five minutes left. 
how would they even think about starting a company like this? Well, I, I think, you know, at the end of the day, I think anyone would tell you from an entrepreneurship perspective, uh, the first thing is you have to have a, a solution to maybe an issue or right. a solution that sort of solves mm -hmm. uh, a problem that folks may not even know that they have. Mm -hmm. And so the, the way I think the first thing to do there is to look at what that is and to really start to try to assess what's the economic opportunity around doing that. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, there's so many different parts and pieces in the overall energy space, mm -hmm. whether it's, you know, folks running propane trucks all the way through to electricity storage or solar installations for residential or uh, putting battery backups in residential or small commercial installations. That's kind of what we're looking for. So, you know, an example might be in California, in certain parts of Northern California, if you're paying attention, you know, they have these issues where in a high wind conditions, PG&E shuts down the, the infrastructure, the power right. infrastructure there. Mm -hmm. And so that, that can create some hardships for folks that are, you know, purposefully having their power mm -hmm. interrupted for three days at a time or whatever have you. So, you know, there may be an opportunity for someone to look at, and I'm sure they're doing that already today, is to say, is there a solution that you can use a battery and a whole home generator? Right, a whole house generator. Mm -hmm. And how does how does that all work? And what do the economics look like for that? And what are the selling points to that? And what are um, you know what, what's the manufacturing timeline look like for those facilities? And what are the local regulations associated with mm -hmm. those small? You know, there's so many different types of things, but it all starts from solving a problem or looking at a, a segment of the marketplace that's underserved. Mm -hmm. um, and really getting putting together a business plan and a strategy associated mm -hmm. with that. So you've got your arms around it before you, you know, mm -hmm. you can definitely dive in with both feet mm -hmm. and figure it out as, as you go. Um, but sometimes I've found that it's a little bit easier to try to get your arms around. What am I thinking of? What am I not thinking mm -hmm. of? Um, and really try to stress test your ideas mm -hmm. and look at how sensitive the economics of what you're trying to do are to the little assumptions that you're making along the way. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, and, and I think it's comes back to what we were saying before. It's looking for those opportunities. Um, you know, like, you know, we're, you know, we're seeing, okay, you know, there's, there's this going on. So maybe whole house generators is a good business to get into, or, um, you know, like we were saying, you know, maybe stuff's going to be cellular. Okay. Well, maybe you need to, to start thinking about something like that, but it's, it's just being open to the, the possibility that there are all these opportunities out there. Yeah. One of the things that I'd love to do is to try to figure out what are these emerging technologies that are out there and how do I apply them? So right. is there a better application of mm -hmm. something that's coming down the pipe, right. uh, whether that's in software mm -hmm. to, to perform a function or apply mm -hmm. something in an area that no one's you know mm -hmm. doing that today? And there are a lot of innovation there are a lot of inventions, but a lot of times the folks that invent things, mm -hmm. invent materials, mm -hmm. invent ideas, invent software, mm -hmm. Uh, there's a challenge in commercializing some of mm -hmm. those technologies. Right. And that's almost, a, it, it is mm -hmm. not almost, it is absolutely a special mm -hmm. skill set associated with mm -hmm. that. And, and there's ample room, I think, in energy as well as a bunch of other places for folks that, that you know, can fit that bill. Right. Well, and there's certainly, the, you know, that this was designed for this, but can we make it do that? 100%. Um, yeah. 100%. You know, and, and I think that's, that's one of the things where people really need to be open to. 
Well, oh my gosh, Jessen, this has been so fascinating. We just, we need to continue this discussion because obviously energy is not going to go away and these conversations are going to continue. Um, for people in Texas, you know, if you're interested, it's energyogre.com, um, right. you know, and, and so I encourage that. But how do people find you and connect with you if they have questions or, you know, want to run ideas past you, things like that? For sure. Well, um, you know, if it's related to Energy Ogre or anything that we have going on here, um, run to our website. There's some information you can contact mm -hmm. me off of the site. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, do your point, if, if someone's in Texas listening to this, we try to make some free resources. Mm -hmm. uh, we've got blog posts I think mm -hmm. are applicable to people right. in all parts Great of the resources. country of, mm -hmm. of how to, how to you know, change or what to be thinking mm -hmm. about. Um, if you're looking at maybe adding rooftop solar mm -hmm. or something like that, what are the, mm -hmm. what are the, the things to look out for, mm -hmm. but, uh, but in addition, in Texas, if you're here and you just don't, you don't know if, if, if I'm right for you or if energy mm -hmm. over is the right kind of, uh, we have some free tools on the website so you can Great. figure out what you're paying mm -hmm. today, whether that's above market or, mm -hmm. or how, how close to market are you with where you are today? So I think a lot of people are kind of surprised because they haven't looked at it in a while. Again, they Generally, don't know it exists. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Generally speaking in the, in the, in then Texas in these competitive areas that are open, if you haven't really looked at it in a few years, mm -hmm. um, you're almost guaranteed to be right. uh, paying too much. So mm -hmm. uh, definitely, even if I'm not helping you, you need to, to look at it closely and make a better decision. Right. So. right. And, and like you said, there's a lot of great resources on your website, whether you're in Texas or not. Right. We try to make sure that, uh, again, education and, and trying to be a resource to folks as they're trying to navigate this mm -hmm. stuff, whether we can help them in our core business or just provide them good information. You know, that's a big part of, 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 you know, what I hope to accomplish. So I appreciate you giving me the opportunity with your platform to speak to folks and really have enjoyed um, having a chance to do so. Cool. I love it. I love it. It's always such fun conversations. Do you have any final thoughts that you want to leave everyone with? No, I, I, uh, I think that, um, you know, I, I really see a lot in the, in the media and, and there's a huge, uh, a huge push on people wanting to be uh, very focused on, on renewables and uh, really take charge and be part of a solution. Mm -hmm. And what I'd say to folks is um, I think that's going to happen one way or the other. And um, you definitely continue to be part of the solution. Don't get anxiety ridden about some of these things. I mm -hmm. think there are good solutions um, that, that are coming. Um, the, the pace of technological change, I think, makes that almost an assuredness that mm -hmm. that is going to occur. Um, but don't don't get caught um, paying too much or uh, don't don't gloss over what the costs are to forcing this maybe to happen faster than it should. So. Cool. I love it. Well, as I said, we have to continue this discussion because it has been so fascinating. I'm Deb Creer. I've been talking with Jessen Bradshaw of, of Energy Ogre. And until next time, everyone have a great day. Tune in for our next program for even more trends, best practices, and techniques for how to make your business a success. The Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer, is proud to be part of the C-Suite Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.